right, welcome back everybody. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing very well. I'm excited for this one, way out of the norm. And we're going very much into the tan world today. And we're gonna get probably as real as it gets and walk through an actual client issue and have an actual client with us. And we're gonna mute very little here and we're gonna share about what it's like to be a client of tan, what it's like to be a pissed off client of tan, and then what it's like to come through and go through our customer service experience. So I'm super excited for this one. Yeah, no, I've dealt with a lot of clients over the years, Scott, who have dealt with complaints. And uh, this was a particularly rough one, as Desiree kind of shares with us during the call there. And ultimately one that I think we, like you said, we can learn a lot from how to improve and how to get better. But uh, Adam, how are you doing today? Excited for this one? Yeah, I'm doing great. Definitely excited for this one. And to Scott's point, outside of the norm, but I think that's a really important piece for not only the podcast, but from an education perspective within the vacation rental space. So having spent 15 years in the vacation rental world, I do not know much or did not prior to coming to TAN much about the club world. I don't think that either side of those really understand each other. Now, I knew a little bit about it because I'd worked with Scott and with the team through Breezeway and through Point Central. So I, I loosely knew about it. But there's a lot of nuances between vacation rentals and clubs that are totally different. And the sales process on the club side is really unique. And it's something that I think it's worthwhile for travelers, for guests to understand what the value is in clubs, but also the pitfalls and where you need to keep an eye out and understand, hey, maybe this doesn't feel right, or maybe I need to ask some more questions. And Desiree will help us get there. So yeah, definitely excited for this one. Awesome. Well, we'll get right into it. We just wanted to record a little bit of intro here for some context. So let's roll our interview with Desiree. Okay, Scott, maybe you would do a good job of leading us off here. I think this is a pretty unique approach that we have here. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So Desiree is a longtime client and has not not the best story with us. So she was, we'll say she was pretty frustrated with us. And her and I connected through an email that we sent out about twice a year. We tried to send out an email from me directly comes from my email address. And when clients reply, the reply comes directly back to my inbox. I don't allow marketing or anyone else to answer my emails. It's got my name on it and this comes from me. So she responded to an email that I sent and her and I engaged in some conversation and she was really frustrated. She was upset about how the process has gone for her and confusion and just being quite frankly pissed off. Her and I had a little bit of an exchange and then I flipped it over to Lakindra and just said, hey, this may be a good one for you to help out on. And Lakindra reached out to her. And it turns out, right, by providing some clarity, we started to, to fix our relationship and start to rebuild trust. And after that, I had this crazy idea on the way to work one day to, to get her to come on and tell her story and tell it just as candidly as she did in her email response to me because I think there's value. I think she can tell a story that other clients have dealt with. And I think she herself said she knows people that have had some similar frustrations and really struggled to deal with them. But now she found probably a way to, to work with us. So that that's why she's on here. I think she can provide some, and her and I were clear, clearly her story can help Tan and write and help business, but ultimately Tan and the clients are on the same page. Tan only makes money if the clients are paying their service fees and traveling, right? So I don't, Tan doesn't get anything from the sales side of it. We get $0. So she spent a considerable amount of money invested in this and she wants a return on it. The only way to get a return is to put it to you. So it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to give her access 
to the vacations that she wants so she can put that money to use and and make a return on the on her investment. So that's what brought us here. She's been super gracious to come on. Desiree, it's great, great to talk to you because you and I only emailed and then you spoke with Lakindra. Yeah, I I definitely came at you strong when I when I saw that the email was from the president of the company, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this guy my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and once I finally talked to LaKendra and really let out my frustrations with her, she broke down every single part that like Tan was completely separate than the Sundance Vacations sales tactics that like they use and you guys are a completely different entity altogether. And what you actually offer is extremely dope. If you actually give it a look, I've never looked at the website once in my life. And I've had this for seven years. I, I paid it once as a stupid kid, just saying like, all right, whatever, give me free vacations. Here's some money. And then I've been paying it ever since, never using it, thinking it was a scam. Yeah. So it was good to hear from LaKendra and actually hear that it was legitimate and what I could do to go about actually utilizing my spending, my investment. <laughs> yeah, right on. What was, you said it a second ago, Desiree, but the, I can't believe the company president or the company president emailed me, I'm going to email him back. Is that kind of a something that you've had to have happen before? Have you reached out to other companies and been like, hey, there's a problem? And I guess, did you expect a response or were you surprised that Scott did reach back out to you? I'm the VP in sales myself, so I can understand like if you get a president or the VP hitting you up, then you're better off to try. You could at least try to get a response. I knew that it was either going to go to a spam folder or that he was going to look at it and be like, whoa, (laughs) he really just said all that. Let's see what she's thinking. But no, normally I don't just hit up the president of a company and say, your service sucks. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all good. But he uh, gave not me make... the opportunity. Scott put himself out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Scott, you said you do this twice a year and these sort of situations are, but my view on it is always, this is when you can shine. So was this the only kind of negative maybe feedback that you did get this last batch or were there other things that you buttoned up? I'm curious. Yeah. So it's surprising, right? So to Desiree's point, there, there are people that, that are in her shoes, right? That bought and then feel like, they got scanned, right? So they walked in there and they had a dream of going on these vacations and then the bills start coming in and they start to get aggravated. And much like she said, they don't touch the website. So one of the first things I did, our paths are pretty close because I became president of TAN in March, 2017. She joined in October, 2017. So the first thing I did is I put my actual email address on the website. I wrote a letter to the clients and put my email address and everyone around here back then thought I was crazy, right? Because they thought about, oh, you're going to get blown up. People are going to tear you up because there's a bunch of mad people. But I looked at it just like my interaction with her, Conrad, where I said, I would rather hear them because I I think that's where we have the most to gain. Now, when we send out an email like that, I'll get five or 10 negatives. But the other side of it, we have a lot of happy clients. But again, to her own point, the difference is they went to figure out how to use it. And many of them may have been pissed off, but it figured out how to use it. But that takes action from us. It's not just incumbent on on her to figure out how to use it. We shouldn't just be calling to say, you owe us money, pay, and then move on. We've got to go through the process to to engage the clients. And you've met LaKendra 
right? I'm able to at least get people to start having a conversation. I can't always resolve it, but when I get it over to the Kendra, that's where she does her part. So it's not all negative, but when we hit someone like this, I see it as the biggest opportunity. I don't, I enjoy the positive emails, but those aren't the ones that have the opportunity. Those are the people that are happy and skipping down the street. The opportunity lies in solutions like this. Yeah. Scott, right. can we take a quick step back and explain the relationships and how the structure of this works? And I say this coming from the vacation rental side for 15 plus years, come moving over to the club side in November. It's a different world. And I don't think that the club world understands vacation rentals. I don't think vacation rentals understand the club world. So what is the structure and how does this confusion come to play out? Yes. Yeah, so, so Desiree, I'll tell the high level and then you can tell your story. So okay, sounds good. generally speaking, Adam, here's what occurred. Desiree went out to some event and saw something that said sign up. That is how sales cast the net to start to, to build their own funnel, right? Then they called, called Desiree and other clients to say, hey, we have an offer for you, but you've got to come in to hear our presentation in order to get that offer. Now that varies by company. Tane has worked with multiple sales partners throughout our history. And Adam, right now, we have two that we work with. We no longer work with the one that brought Desiree to us, but they essentially take Desiree from that top of the lead funnel with getting her in at the event. They go into the sales center, they go through the pitch, they'll sell them on the dream. And to Desiree's point, some people are just young and see value in it. Some of them have best of intentions when they buy, but then life happens right a month later, six months later. And some people fold under high pressure and end up with something that they really didn't want anyway, but they folded in. But once that sale is complete, that's and that's stop point for sales. Sales then has a contract with us where we're the fulfillment partner. She buys, that's all on them. So she's on their contract. She owes money to them. That purchase on her side obligates her to an annual service charge to TAN and then processing fees when she goes to travel. So our relationship really starts after that purchase, but doesn't have anything to do with that purchase as far as her and I, because now I just, I have an obligation to her and that's where we start our relationship. But she'll tell you that gets very confusing. Sometimes it can be foggy just in the heat of the moment. And sometimes it can be foggy as part of the sales pitch, I think. And is that pretty typical when we hear the idea of a club, vacation club, or some sort of hospitality related club. Is that a pretty typical sales process? Yes. The, the difference being, Adam, is we are one of a few that that don't own both. Tan has never sold anything. Tan, I, customers will reach out or clients will reach out and say, hey, your folks came and sold me this. That, But again, that's where the fuzziness kicks in, right? Because maybe they're representing themselves more so as Tan than they actually are. But I think that's where the fuzziness kicks in. And I'm sure Desiree has something to say around that. I'm very interested to hear Desiree's story. Yeah. One, one second, Desiree. I want to ask just one more clarifying question, and then we'll jump over to you. Scott, there seems like there's a potential step for us to improve is that handoff from sales into fulfillment. Why did TAN choose to have that separation? You mentioned other clubs don't. So is it because... Is there an opportunity to smooth out that process through that handoff? Or did we miss an opportunity to have sales as well? Or why did we make the choice we made? Yeah, it, from all bases, it's better to have the operation split because otherwise you can quickly get into this becoming a scam. So that separation really drives a level of integrity to say the sales business is over there. Our fulfillment business, 
doesn't rely on a dollar from sales. It relies on us having a real relationship with every client because that's the only way we make money and that's the only way the client gets value. So that, that delineation has always been clear. Our founder has been very based on that. And Adam, from some of our recent stuff, I'm not moving on that. We will never sell because our experience in our business needs to be based on servicing clients and carrying them forward. Yeah. So that way our incentive is to make sure that we help the clients travel. But in the situation of this particular instance, clearly we missed an opportunity for a handoff from sales to fulfillment so that we could have helped Desiree understand what it was that she bought. And she's one of very many. So with that, Desiree, <laughs> I'm eager to hear your story. <laughs> All right, guys. So I was at the Rib Fest down at Heinz Field. I'm from Pittsburgh. And they had the Sundance little exhibition booth up. And they're offering a free trip to Vegas. And I was skeptical. I'm like, oh, I don't want to really fill this out. I'm not going to win. And he goes, no, look, like you can come into our office and we'll do this whole presentation. And if you like it or if you don't like it, you still get the free trip to Vegas. I said, all right, dude. Yeah, sold. I'll take the free trip to Vegas, whether I go or don't. And we went to the 30 minute sales meeting, me and my friend. And it was, it, they don't even try to talk about the Vegas, the free Vegas trip while you're standing there. They're like, Oh, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. You need to hear all of this first. It's like an hour and 15 minute insane spiel. They're just showing you all these amazing spots that you can vacation at. And I was really into going to Mexico at the time. I would go to Mexico for an all-inclusive resort two or three times a year. So I was like, oh, this is great. We're going to spend this money and we're going to get these for free. Because they made me believe that each week was completely free due to the fact that you paid all the money down and that you had this payment plan. Pay your money up front. You do the payment plan. You get 23 weeks free, seven nights at any of the places that we have listed. Now, it was 2017. They had a packet. It wasn't even on the computer or anything. So I didn't even know there was a website. They didn't even show us a website or truly explain how your system works. So I come to find out that each week varies from $250 to $650 a week, depending on if it's the 4th of July or if it's November 28th. It doesn't matter. And that it wasn't free. Like it indeed was not free. I was like, well, I have 23 free weeks. So why are you trying to charge me $350 for this service? To find out that's what I paid for. And then I have two different people trying to charge me some credit place that I had no idea that was charging me $38 a month. And then you're trying to get tan to charge you the $395 for the year and I don't even use the system, it was getting very scammy, especially to the point where there's lawyers calling me and emailing me, say, hey, if you give us $2,000, we'll get you out of your timeshare. You're going to lose all your weeks, but we'll get you out of it. Like, all right, buddy, thanks. I already paid $9,000. I'm not trying to pay you another two grand just for nothing to get me out of it. I think every time I got a call, or an email, I said, please cancel my account. Please cancel my account. It's paid for, it's done, cancel my account. Every time, no ma'am, it's not. You still owe this, you still owe that. So every time I see Travel Advantage Network pop up on my phone, they get the FU button real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
But then I get on the phone with Kendra, and she shows me exactly how it works. So now I understand that you put the money down, but $350 for a three-bedroom a place in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, or wherever it is, is way cheaper than whatever Airbnb you were about to just pay. So I see the value in it. You basically put your money down just to be a part of the group, to be a part of those weeks. Because I'm not sure what happens after my 23 weeks are done. Would I have to buy more? Am I already a part of the system? So now I can just keep continuing to buy weeks. I don't know how that works. But, and it could have been a little cheaper just to get a part of the system if that is how it works. But none of that was explained to me. And the fact that they're using such high pressure sales tactics, offering, they offered a free airline fare for a whole year. They even had the little contract and I never got one free flight. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way that they do it, the way they try to scam you in without really telling you what exactly you're purchasing was what made me hate Tan. (laughs) Truly was. Yeah. Here's the thing is that that's, that's not the uncommon story. And Adam, to, to your point, th- there was this gap of we were missing these people as they were coming in and then they get so disconnected. We've got to figure out how to reconnect with them and how to show them what value they were. And Desiree said, it, imagine the money you can save. So think about the last two years and Desiree. So Conrad is in the vacation rental side, right? So just the straight retail market, like you're saying, Airbnb, but he with local vendors, Adam is from that world too. Adam just came over with him, but during the post COVID years, when everyone was traveling everywhere, that was the best years in vacation rentals because they were able to run their rates up. People were running rates up to places that no one ever imagined were possible. They were charging 70% more than the year before, 100% more than the year before. But to Desiree's point, what she was sitting on and didn't really know it because we hadn't connected the dots is she was still going to go to Myrtle Beach, the three bedroom for $650, right? And that's Desiree's opportunity and every other client to then really turn the tide on sales and start to collect the return on her investment. Because you look at it, it'll only take a few of those vacations and all of a sudden that $9,000 has paid off for her, right? Because now she's locked in this rate. If you guys like, you also have all-inclusive resorts on there. And I know that they have uh, the resort fees, but when I think when they first told us about the going to Mexico or Jamaica, that you're still basically paying for that all-inclusive and then you have to pay your airfare on top of it. That was a little like off to me, but when you look at it, you're paying $200 a night for all-inclusive, but that's for two people. So if you guys were to be able to put a side-by-side up, here's what you would pay if you booked this through Orbitz with your flights included. Here's what you would do if you were a TAN member for two people without your flights included. And they'd be able to compare that you're actually saving, even if it's only 300 bucks, you're still saving money in the long run. And it's still a better, it's still a better way to go than just one of these everyday random booking.com, orbits.com kayak. Yeah. Yeah. And Desiree, even in the places we have all inclusive. So one of the other perks is because of our partnership, we try to get the, we usually in most cases, not in all, but in most cases, we actually get the preferred 
all-inclusive rate that you can't even get it online. So one of the other tricks of the all-inclusive business that I've learned and I didn't know until I was really in tan is what they'll do is they'll pitch you this low all-inclusive and then they get you to the property. And then when you get to the property, they put you in a white bracelet, right? And then Conrad, as you're walking around the property, they'll go, oh, you're here with a white bracelet. That means you can't go here and here. So then they'll go, oh, but if you want to get a blue bracelet, you could just pay this extra money. And they could work this, people like that. This is my honeymoon, Scott. Did you think you know this? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, yeah. though. We went to the Dominican Republic for our honeymoon. And when we got there, it wasn't quite as egregious as you're describing with the bracelet, but there was like tier one, tier two. And we were in tier one because we had no money. And <laughs> it was all we could afford to stay at that one place. And that's exactly what happened though. They get, they do pitch you when you get there. <laughs> hey, you'll upgrade to tier two. You'll get over to this better room and stuff like that. And we said no. And I don't regret it except for one thing. I'll be honest. One thing got me, which is that all the tier two people got a golf cart ride, like a little taxi ride from like the hotel room all the way over to the pool or the restaurants or whatever. And we had to walk and no lie. We were like as far back as you could be. And we were walking and walking. So we spent at least some reasonable portion of our honeymoon with sore feet, just like having to walk like miles and miles just to get to the restaurant and stuff like that. So yeah, that's yeah. another trick that they play. There's no doubt about it. I'm familiar with that one, unfortunately. <laughs> most of our all-inclusive agreements, not all of them, but most of them get our clients to the near the top tier. We don't always reach the highest tier, but most of our clients, when they travel with us, will go in at the top, top tier, close to the top tier. So they're getting the most benefit. But to Desiree's point, even if when you look side by side at that, it, it's compelling. It's there, right? And you're paying far less than the people beside you that are having to walk everywhere they go because they didn't pay for the shuttle service. <laughs> I was going to say one more thing too a minute ago when you were talking about rates and Desiree touched on it as well. I have clients that I've been working with for some time who are traditional short-term rental managers. And I stayed actually in one of the properties that a client of mine just like really stuck out to me during COVID. And I paid $139 a night. Um, for this cabin up in Blue Ridge, Georgia, that I stayed at when I stayed with this client before. And it was a great cabin, two bedroom, nothing too fancy. I wasn't staying during the peak time for sure, middle of the week, but 139 a night, not too bad. He was booking that same place during kind of the COVID boom last year for I think 340, 350 a night. So the property, nothing changed about the property, same cabin as it always was. And that's literally the kind of rate increases you were saying 100%. And some people may scratch their heads and go, how is that possible? I saw stuff that was well north of 100% as far as rate increases go on the actual booking, the actual property level. So there were some huge rate increases. Now, some of those have come back a little bit, but certainly nowhere near where it was, let's say in 2018, 19, some of these properties. So great for the investor of the property, not necessarily the best value for the vacationer who's on the other side of that going and booking it, as Desiree was talking about through an OTA or through a property manager's website. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, can you explain a little bit about that on our side as well? So how do our rates work when people sign up for it? Because they don't feel that same impact with rates going up. So no, that that's the value into Desiree's points. That's essentially what her investment was with them, right? Is locking in weeks at whatever the contract price at the time she signed up with. So contracts would change sometimes annually, sometimes every couple of years, but she would be locked in at those rates. So it doesn't matter what's happening in the outside world. She knows yes. when things are at their worst, she's paying six fifty. When rates are going through the roof, she's paying six fifty. So it, it's a bit of certainty. She's buying. She's essentially by hedging, right, and making sure she's locked in on rates. Sorry, Desiree, I cut you off. Oh no, you guys are good. There was one thing I did learn with talking to Lakendra that I do believe that I don't know if you guys change this policy or update it. You guys don't allow anybody to bring dogs. Yeah. And now I know everybody in America is super doggy after COVID. <laughs> Even if you had 
a $50 per dog fee, I would pay that. Yeah. I feel like a majority of dog owners would pay that. Now, I know that you probably have to deal with the properties itself, but just throwing that out there. Yeah. So Desiree, you hit on the other hot button, right? I think you've hit the one where in Conrad, this is where I do get a lot of feedback. So pet family properties is a thing. It's we and we have we have a handful. I think right now we have four. But part of our issue there is HOA requirements, community requirements. There's places where the HOA won't even allow, but it is something, and Adam's been trying to navigate this as we pick up new inventory. We're trying to break out of the just the traditional condo condo because most of those condo HOAs can really restrict you. So one of the things we're trying to do, and we're looking at it in Orlando, right? We're trying to get out of the condo business in Orlando and get into the home business because that frees up our ability to bring, to let people bring Brett pets. So Desiree, that is another area that is a hot button. And, and we do think it's valuable. The only thing that we charge now is if the vendor, if the cleaning vendor charges us an upcharge to clean, right? Because the other aspect of pet friendly is not everyone wants to bring pets, right? And then you have all the people that are allergic to pets. So we've got to make sure that we hit a cleaning standard. So the person that comes after the dog, that's usually always allergic to the dog, or that's the story we'll hear. We've cleaned. Yeah. Standard. Yeah. Yeah. We have a Facebook group, Desiree, and I always, I never have to moderate the ones when someone says we need more pet friendly units because you know the fight that ensues, right? You're in sales. It's the half oh, yeah. that say yes and half that say, no, I'll die. I'll go into shock because I'm allergic. Yeah, but then those people that don't have dogs don't have to know how expensive it is to board your dog when you want to go away. We're going to North South Carolina, Myrtle Beach next week. And the Airbnb cost charge of $75 per dog, I think per night. Yeah. Yeah. So taking those little things with us is just as expensive as or less expensive than putting them in a dog daycare in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. What else, Scott, could we get from Desiree and other questions to ask? I think this is, this has been great so far though, like learning about the process, things that can always be better for sure and improved. And I know Scott, you're the kind of leader that wants to take in that feedback and make it better, which is ultimately great for the show. Yeah. So I think we're there. Desiree, this has been su super, super helpful, right? I'm glad you connected, even in the way we connected. I wouldn't change our connection, Desiree, for a thing. I appreciated the way you came, even the names you called me, which is all good. Just <laughs> But it, this is just that moment, right? That Conrad, I think I'd like to clients to hear her story because I think it, it resonates. But I also think the other part of the story is that there's someone here waiting to work for them right now. Keep in mind, I'm just the tip, right? So I can just get start the conversation with Desiree. Once they get over to the kindred, they're in the very best hands, right? So the story goes exactly what she went through, but now it's time to re-engage. So I know that she too has a honeymoon plan coming up, Conrad. So we're going to try to help her navigate that far better than you did. And then maybe we get her to come back at some point and tell her story about now that she's put it to use a couple of times, has she found the value and am I everything that I say I am and is LaKindra as good as she says she is? Hey, Scott, yeah, I got sure. one more question based on what Desiree had talked to us about and she mentioned what happens at the end. So she bought X number of weeks and she's part of the club. She's paid to be a part of the club. She's paid to have these benefits, but then her weeks run out. What's the next step? And I think this is obviously an answer for Desiree, but it's a broader answer for all the rest of the clients that will run into that similar situation. 
Yeah, so it can go down multiple tracks. So a couple things are we have, so we have the excess inventory program, which is, that's that lowest rate and it's per client, but I, Desiree mentioned, I heard it's probably like 250, 199, 250, whatever it is. Those don't charge any week. So she could do a bunch of EI vacations and they never, it, we never take a week away from her. And we've got a lot of clients that, that use that up very well. They're the last minute people that can just hop out and go. And well, Scott, that's, that's excess inventory in our definition is 60 days prior. Yep. So anything that hasn't booked seven weeks out immediately drops off. And even if it's summer season, drops all the way to the lowest rate, regardless of bedroom size. If it's a four bedroom, it's the bottom rate, period, end of story. And it doesn't cost the client their week. But the client does lock in that rate when they first sign their contract. That's it. Yep. But then let's say she she goes through all 23 weeks. Then she would hit a point where she can either continue at a wholesale rate, which is just, it's not her rate that she's on now. It's a little increase. But again, that increase was, that rate was set at the time she purchased. So it may go up a couple hundred dollars per vacation. Or, and this is the part that Desiree may not love, we do send people back to sales. But in this case, Desiree, you wouldn't go back to the sales office where you came from, we would send you to a new sales partner and they would take you through the process of buying new weeks. But again, under the same setup, we don't get a dollar yeah. for those weeks. You would work out your deal with them and come back with whatever weeks that you bought from them. Gotcha. Yeah. And I hope one day she uses all 23 weeks and we have this conversation because I'll probably give her another 23 more and she can just <laughs> do more vacations. So I just want to add one more piece because I think there is, and I'm happy to hear Desiree say it. Once she got on the website, she started to recognize, oh, wait, there is a lot of value to this. The other component that I've teased out as I've been here is it seems like the real value comes when you travel more than one time per year. Because if you travel one, you've paid that annual maintenance fee. And yes, you've gotten a pretty good discount on your first vacation. But once you travel that second time, that's really where you get that strong discount on that second vacation. Yeah. 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 The, typically the people that are using excess inventory at least once a year and then booking their regular vacation, those are the people that are, they just keep rolling because they're yeah. saving. That That's where within a matter of probably two or three years, they've recouped the $9,000 investment and then they're starting to get ahead on it. Yeah. Makes sense. Desiree, I really appreciate it. This has been super helpful for us. And like I, I've been super transparent with you. We're going to send this back over to you, let you listen to it. If you have it, if there's anything in here that you feel you want us to remove, we're happy to do. But what we really want to use this one as a learning tool for other clients. And we're super pleased that you took the time to share this with us. And then this too, after we finish, I think we may have just recorded a podcast. So Adam and I have the Art of Hospitality podcast, which Conrad facilitates. So you may have just recorded a podcast episode with us as well, and we'll send it to you and let you know. But we really appreciate it. And you know that I'm here and you know that Lakendra's here and we want to help you go forward and make that return on that $9,000 that you paid sales. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad to be here and express why I thought it was a scam. And I'm so sorry that I called you a douchebag, man, and I flipped out on you. <laughs> you know, you're definitely not a douchebag. You're not an asshole. You guys are cool. The system, it, once explained correctly, it is worth what you're paying for it. It is going to be utilized well now that I actually know what I've what I have in my pocket. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me on. I don't have a problem with this. You guys post it or do what you want. But <laughs>
And uh, yeah, I'm sorry about all that, Scott. I really feel bad now that I called you a douchebag. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, listen, it, like I said, it led us to this moment, which, which is good for you, <laughs> right? It, it's good for me and it's good for the clients that, that are going to listen to this. So Desiree, and again, I say it with absolute sincerity. I don't regret any moment. You have nothing to apologize for because again, the you're not talking about small money, right? That is meaningful money. And now you may have just helped, let's say that this recording, this podcast, these clips help 20 people, right? Not feel the way you did. Think of the win that that starting off by calling me a douchebag. Think about what we just did, right? Then, exactly. There could be somebody out there right now that say, you know what, I'm going to pay this lawyer 2000 and they're going to get me out of my hands and I'm never going to have to pay them or hear from them again. That's and it's not worth it. It's not. I feel like those lawyers are also scams in itself. So honestly, anything I can do to help to get anybody to see it the way that I now see it. Awesome. Yeah. And I think the other part that Kendra, she'll change their mind. (laughs) Kendra is magical. But I think the other part that we've learned through this is that we've got to do a better job with that handoff. I think we need to make sure that you understand what you purchased Desiree, and we'll make sure that we own that and do better with clients going forward. Yeah. Don't let people sign up when they're like, oh, okay, this is all going to be free. We're good. Thanks. Make sure that everybody that signs that piece of paper knows exactly what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And then there should be no, no issues at all. Other than when can I bring my dog? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Soon enough, Desiree. Soon enough. Well, good stuff. It was great meeting you all. Thank you, Desiree. We appreciate it. Okay, guys, we're back. That was a pretty fun one. So Scott, your thoughts and your reaction to that call with Desiree. We we had to add the blur button a little bit there at the end for some colorful language, but it was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen, I thought it was awesome. I uh, She was real. And Conrad, we talked about it up front. You saw the email, right? I forwarded you the email and said, I've got this crazy idea and it's to bring this client on and talk to her. In our email exchange, I was pleasant back to her. Her to me wasn't much, but Conrad, I saw it as an opportunity the minute that I heard from her because you know, every client saying, hey, everything's great isn't reality and that's not where I want to live. I think she led us through the perfect conversation. Everything she said was her own feeling, but you look at that and go, how many other clients feel that exact same way? You heard like she paid what she said, $9,000 and then was so pissed off, she never even went to use it. And then all of a sudden when she goes to actually use it. She sees, and but she just needed some dots connected. And I said this when we were talking to her, and I think I've said it before, Tan is so much more aligned with the clients on what we're trying to achieve together than anyone thinks, because we don't get a dollar from the sales proceeds. Tan doesn't get anything. So that means that the only way that Tan does well is if the client's paying their service fees and they're traveling. You, I, I think in our exchange and preparation for this, Conrad, we talked about it. Like, you only pay your service fee for so long when you're not traveling, right? So that's a dying revenue stream. So our focus is we know that if we can get you traveling, then you're in and you're finding value and we just keep running that cycle. So I I embraced the connection when I when Desiree responded. And Adam will tell you, when we send out a client-facing email, and I do twice a year, like I mentioned, there's days where I can spend a couple hours just sitting in here responding to them. And again, not all are negative, but most people, most clients after, if they do come in pissed, when I respond the first time, they usually take a step back because they realize that someone's responding. Then I can really get them to really take a step back when they realize that it's 
really me and not someone in marketing or any of that stuff. But it was a great story. And my true hope is that we take 20 people, 25 people that were just as pissed off as she was and turn them into at least clients that are putting it to use and making their money back from the money they spent with sales. No. Awesome. And Adam, you got of getting exposed to the world, like you said, like knowing the vacation rental world well as I do, but then seeing this side of it and how people get entered in obviously can be not necessarily a smooth experience and they're optimizing for their end, not really for the customer. Whereas Scott and his team, the experience that they have for travelers is obviously not at all the same. So your reaction and your thoughts from our interview with Desiree. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic interview. It's it's nice to have people express themselves in a very transparent, real way. And Desiree definitely did that. So I want to give a couple of kudos, one to Desiree for being open to actually having that discussion and being open to understand what TAN does. And then I'd also like to give quick kudos to Lakindra, who was on a previous episode with us. This just emphasizes what we were saying about Lakindra and her focus on that client success. We, you got to have someone who's willing to jump in and have those really tough discussions. And Lakindra is perfect at that. But from a higher level, there was a few things that, that I took away from that conversation. Some of them are improvements on our side. I think that we need to do a better job at the handoff from sales into fulfillment so that we're helping our clients and our guests understand what is the value that, that they just purchased. And we'll do better at that. But in addition to that, I think that there's an opportunity for the sales side to adjust. And I think that's already happening. So when Desiree explained what her experience was, I think that's a pretty typical timeshare, vacation club type of experience for the last, whatever, pick 20, 30 years, whatever it might be. But Scott and I are now in the process of working with sales partners that have a completely different perspective of how that sale should go. That sale should not be high pressure. You need to buy this even if you don't really understand it. You can't cancel for any reason. It should be more like a typical sale that we're all used to. They should understand what they're buying. They should see the value in what they're buying. There should be a good handoff into the fulfillment side so that we can create a good relationship from the beginning. So my hope is that we're going to fix this going forward. Now, Scott and I have been of the same mindset that our goal is to make sure that our clients are traveling because that's where their value is. And I expressed this in the interview as well, is that our clients, once they get in and they travel once or twice throughout the year, there is a really significant discount that they see on vacations and their rates are locked in. As we mentioned, even when rates go up and during the COVID boom, when they were 100% plus, our rates were still locked in. So there is still a huge value for the clients. We just need to help them understand what that value is. So I think we need to do a better job of continuing to find great locations, continuing to find great inventory, but also really building up our client success and our education into our own client base. Part of my goal with the podcast in, in the last few months was to educate the vacation rental industry as to where the value is and where the crossover is and why I think there's some good synergies between these two types of industries. But I think we also need to do a better job of educating our clients as to what the value is and how we can get them traveling a little bit more. Overall, fantastic. I love it. I think it cleared up some things on my side. I hope that it clears up some questions that people, vacation rental managers, homeowners that we're talking with, hopefully it clears up some questions on their side as well. Right on. Yeah. Fantastic. Anything else you guys want to add in or are we good to put a bow on this one? Oh, I think this good one is on. a nice bow. I think it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If you like this one, please do leave us a review. I think we would love to get this feedback. It's really, as Scott said in the intro, it's a definitely more behind the scenes raw kind of feeling of 
ultimately a lot of people online love to brag about how great their company is and how smart they are and how things ever everything works perfectly all the time. But anyone that's been in any of these businesses for longer than five minutes knows that's not true. So thank you, Scott, because you this was really your idea. You were the engine behind this. All I did was try to guide it a little bit here and there in, in this recording. But it was interesting to talk to Desiree. It was great that it ends on a good note. Sounds like she's going and will be traveling soon. And we certainly wish the best for her and can't wait for her to have those great experiences to Adam's point and look forward to everyone kind of checking out future episodes. But if you like this one, let's do more behind the scenes stuff. People are into it. So leave us a review, mention, mention this episode, and we can probably bring you more of that. But thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode.